Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. I am um, I'm crossing myself. I am uh, being uh, careful not to walk under a ladder. Um, I have uh, some some bubble wrap around this mirror because I want to be very careful not to accrue any bad luck. Who, but who am I? My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Uh, Richard has a hat on the floor in his office there, and Michael has chopsticks that are standing up in rice, in a bowl of rice, and those, oh my god, those are signs of bad luck. This is the Mount Rushmore of bad luck. Um, We debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous topics of any given topic, and this week is the Mount Rushmore of bad luck, and I chose it because tomorrow will be Friday the 13th. This uh, podcast will drop on Thursday the 12th, and tomorrow will be Friday the 13th, a uh, day that has a movie series uh, named after it. It is so uh, closely associated with Bad Luck, a horror franchise. So um, we're going to discuss that. And I, that's just kind of so, something what I, <laughs> what I thought, you know? I thought we could discuss. I, I know what I think about good luck and that it doesn't exist, that it's basically... When you uh, are prepared and you are uh, uh, skilled at something, and you've spent a lot of your time preparing to succeed uh, at something, spoken like a true like actor slash performer, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, is everything really? comes down. Yeah, sure. It's like all <laughs> it's all like oh, you got it. It's not just luck. It's not just where you are. Luck plays a part, but you gotta you gotta be in the right place, and you have to have put in the yeah. work. So you've made the opportunity. Uh, whatever. Lucky bastard. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Um, but yeah, but there's stuff that bad luck. I, I guess I kind of, uh, I, I guess I kind of believe in that, you know, that there can just be uh, a crap hand that you're dealt. But I want to know what you guys think about it. And um, because he is wearing a uh, T-shirt that is uh, maybe an emblem of a guy who's probably experienced a lot of good and bad luck of Evil Knievel, uh, Richard, you're going to go first. Yeah, is he lucky or not? I'm not I sure. don't know. Well, lucky to have he, survived. Yeah, he did survive. He did survive all those things, but the, th- the th- evil can evil. The thing that happened to him weren't because he had bad luck. It was because he was a man trying to jump a motorcycle across the Grand Canyon. Like those are just bad. <laughs> That's a man bad who's just, who just made so many bad choices and had too much. Imagine. If you heard on his radio, curse my bad luck. <laughs> he's, 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 plummeting. He's, he's a person that had too much belief in his own ability. It was yeah. just like, no, that's um, that's 14 school buses. That's one too many. <laughs> well, I think like, like a um, meteorologist, he didn't have to be right 100% of the time. Like there is a dude who could crash and still make uh, <laughs> the same amount of money, right? And he was on so many pharmaceuticals that he probably felt the same, uh, didn't feel any pain when he <laughs> broke a hundred bones in his body. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Richard, what's your first example of uh, bad luck? My first example of bad luck is a woman named Melanie Martinez. And, uh, the email I mean, Martinez. <laughs> the, oh, well, no, this is a different Melanie Martinez. Oh, okay. <laughs> than the one we all know. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, she has, Maybe this is an example of, is this bad luck or is this, this just being stubborn? Um, she, she has lost five houses to um, hurricanes in Louisiana. Oh, no. Five different times her house has been destroyed by a hurricane, starting oh, no. with Hurricane Betsy in 1965 and going all the way up to Hurricane Isaac in 2012. Wow. And she continues to build, rebuild on the same spot. Oh, God. Come on. And then the hurricane hits and destroys it, and then she rebuilds on the same spot. And the thing just repeats cycle ad nauseum. It's like like Groundhog Day, except with a lot more wetness. Wow. And uh, the worst part is the last time in 2012 when this happened, her house had just been selected for a makeover by some uh, A&E reality show called Hideous Houses. They did a $20,000 makeover where they put in a new kitchen, new appliances, and a new sewing room for her. And then literally the show aired, and then a few weeks later, Hurricane, Isaac's hit, Hurricane Isaac hit, and the whole thing got destroyed. Wow. 
Yeah, isn't that some bad luck? Wow. And uh, someone asked her why, the guardian asked her why she continued to live in that spot. She said, well, I was born here, but we want to move somewhere that's hilly, you know, to a house on a hill. <laughs> I hope she found her house on a hill. I hope so. <laughs> God, I hope so, too. I maybe, mean, this, maybe the hurricane will actually relocate it to a hill at some point eventually. Or actually create a hill that she can yeah. just, just be on. Yeah. Yeah, again, I... I think at some point, how would you like to be her insurance agent? Mm -hmm. That's got to be a hell of a phone call by the fourth, by the fourth or fifth time <laughs> when she's calling in. Uh, Bob, yeah, this is, yeah, hi, this is, uh, yeah, I know who this is. <laughs> I know it's you, Melanie. God damn it! <laughs> she's the first one to take advantage of the Allstate uh, Hurricane Punch card that they have. <laughs> oh, is that when you buy five and you get the yeah. free? Yeah, it's like a yogurt land and <laughs> in Louisiana. Yeah. Wow, that's rough. I, I imagine her as being like that uh, kind of redneck mom in The Simpsons or something like that. Like the I forget the kid that the the bad kids Nelson not Nelson who's Nelson the bad kid Nelson Muntz. But there's uh, there's Cletus the slackjawed yokel. In yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's. And I don't want to I don't want to cast aspersions on No, no, no. Do you um, think that's so? If you built a house in the path of a wrecking ball and it kept getting knocked over, is that bad luck, or is, or is it something else? Well, I mean, you got to think. At some point, the law of averages says this is <laughs> this is the last time it cannot yeah. hit again. It's sort yeah. of like being one of those guys who gets. I don't know, Michael, if you have one of those guys, but one of those guys who gets struck by lightning like seven or eight times. Right. You got to think at some point. I, the lightning's done with me. There is no <laughs> way I'm going to get hit. That's got to be similar think, to that. I think the thing about hurricanes, though, is that they have to go through the alphabet several times a year. So it's not like you don't know they're coming. It's not like you know it's on, you know, on you know whatever year this happens. It's not like 1971, and Hurricane Alvin came through, and then 1972, Hurricane Betsy came through. It's like. In 1971, Hurricane Alvin through Hurricane Zed comes through every year. Yeah. Right. And like when you're in the, like maybe they're not all, you know, the worst of, uh, in the world. But at some mm -hmm. point you're just like, I live in a place where these awful things happen constantly. Eh, not this time. <laughs> because it's not just it's not just like that next year. It's like forever that you're living there, that you're in this this zone. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I recall that there are, you know. Jeff, you're from the Midwest. I know. I remember driving down to um, one time. Uh, Emily and I were visiting uh, her home state of Indiana, and we were driving oh, down yeah. to um, where she went to college in Bloomberg, which is where Indiana University is. And she was like, "Yeah, this is this is where the tornadoes come through all the time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's just like these trees that are constantly leveled. It's just like." Oh, so this is the place where these these things happen over and over. Yet people yeah. move back because the land's cheap, and you can rebuild your house for relatively inexpensive costs. And it's like you just choose to live where you choose to live. And like I don't know, at some point wow. you're just shaking your fist at, at God, and God's like, "Here's another one. Yeah. Here's her. Here's Hurricane. Um, what are we up to? Uh, Tony." <laughs> I guess I've been shooken awake by earthquakes know, three times in my 15 years in L.A., but that hasn't prompted me to move, although. But they haven't I, destroyed your home. <laughs> right. Yeah, they have not. They have not. All right. Melanie Martinez. Miss Martinez, we feel for you. Um, uh, Michael Winfield, what's your first one? All right. I'll start also with like a real life um example of bad luck and um this is uh sutomo yamaguchi um who is uh was an engineer who in 1945 um was um uh in he was traveling to hiroshima when uh little boy exploded overhead he was a couple miles away but somehow he survived a couple of days later, he was traveling back to his hometown of, you got it, Nagasaki, Oops. when wow. Fat Boy exploded overhead. Wow. And somehow he survived. And he experienced um, kind of like a lifetime of, um, you know, he was temporarily blinded and he had a shattered eardrum and had extensive wow. burns. But this, 
this man survived until um, uh, cancer took his life in 2010. But that's a long time to live after living through two atomic blasts in relative uh, in relative uh, proximity. And like, I can't imagine what that is life. One, just, just this life altering force is just unleashed upon you. And then you're like, okay, well, that was the craziest thing. I, oh, what? Wow. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know what that guy's life was like for the remainder of his uh, 60 plus years, but geez. It must, he must have thought that, like, literally we were bombing every city in Japan at that point. Because yeah, he's... <laughs> he must have just assumed Tokyo is next mm -hmm. and not, Osaka, and they're all going to get hit. I mean, could, could you imagine just every two days, just like a nuclear bomb has gone off? It's just far enough away for you to survive, but, like, close enough where it just does crazy damage to you. And, like, he kind of falls into, like, the the bad luck scope of man that's it's had to have happened to somebody but just been so fortunate to have survived to survive that so he's kind of like good luck bad luck guy mm -hmm. and um i just find that that sort of thing amazing just I, that anybody survived any aspect of a, a nuclear explosion is wild yeah and, i wonder um, if he would have doubled the, double the survivor's remorse that that feeling that because he must have seen some carnage around him in devastation so i wonder if he had that if it was if the rest of his life was one he could not be around fireworks or um popcorn mm. you know mm. but like is is or his just, uh... or just or just scoffs in the face of it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's, he is he is just not disturbed by like any anything mm -hmm. else after that he's just like uh come on sparkler i've i've i yeah. gotcha yeah did he write a book or anything like that? That sounds fascinating. Like, what did, what did he have even seen? Like, to, to, ugh, I can't imagine how gruesome that was. I mean, that's the thing. You know, we only really have experienced, you know, the atomic blast in, like, black and white um, kind of still photography or just um, even black and white kind of movie images. I'm sure there are some color images that I haven't seen, but I, I can't imagine what it's like for just, mm -hmm. the, like you said, the carnage and, like, mm -hmm skin literally just peeling off and just people's lives yeah. you know not only just destroyed as an ended but also just like completely wrecked by this horrible thing but mm -hmm. eh, to go through it twice and to you know it's wild what 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 just bad luck i mean it just happened to be that he was going back to nagasaki like wow that's not that's not that that's not that close a trip either i don't believe mm. did you ever see there's a video of i think of how Good luck and bad luck are the same in that there mm. can be a sense of an external force that has selected you to be special and how uh, weird that must feel and maybe exhilarating if it's uh, in a, for something positive, but still could be kind of bizarre because those around you have not been <laughs> selected for that thing. But there's a video of the guy, guy a news crew that is... Uh, Reporting on a story about a Canadian man who won the lottery, I think $250,000 or something. And they asked him to go back to the store where he bought the lottery ticket and just to reenact it for the news crew. And you see it on camera. He goes back and he buys another ticket right. and wins like $300,000. <laughs> and he's, I've never seen a guy look so like, beaten he he looks like he's shaking his head like no no it's happened again uh you would think he was experiencing bad luck due to the just the his inability to understand that the the hand of fate has touched him right oh man freddie what's your second choice my second choice is the 2003 film the cooler oh wow if either of you have seen this movie, i i saw that that was a lot I, of fun I've, you heard, see... I've heard of it yeah, William H Macy's with, butt. Yeah, you do, and that's yeah. basically why I have it on the list. No, yeah, <laughs> um, it is. If you guys have not seen it out there, I would recommend it. I, I thought it was a really strong kind of romantic, kind of mixed between a romantic comedy and a film, kind of a film noir. And the basic premise is that William H Macy plays a guy, Bernie Lutz, who is just terribly unlucky, and because of his bad luck, a old school Vegas casino hires him to be a cooler, which is what the 
gambling parlance is for somebody who comes in, sits down at a table, and immediately stops anyone else from winning. <laughs> and that is literally his job, is to just go whenever they see that somebody's winning a little bit too much, they send them over to that table, give them a little bit of uh, play money to play around with, and inevitably all the winning stops at that table and everyone loses all their money until they leave. And that's his job. And I thought to myself, well, that doesn't sound like such a bad job. <laughs> you know, you get paid, you get to quote unquote gamble, but it's really not your money and it doesn't matter what happens with it one way or the other. Yeah, it's kind of rough that your whole job is to make people lose money, but they're in Vegas, what do they expect? Doesn't sound like it's the worst job in the world, to be honest. Uh, but the whole story is him basically falling in love with a, a cocktail waitress there, uh, played by Maria Bello. And his luck starts to turn around as soon as they get together. And that winds up becoming a problem for his uh, his, his bosses. And that's kind of the story of, of what happens when someone whose whole role in life is to be unlucky suddenly starts becoming lucky. Hmm. That I remember that I thought that film was really fascinating because the there is a supernatural element to it, which is the sense that someone actually has this force of right. bad luck, but how how it is totally believed in by Alec Baldwin, who is everybody everybody takes it um, as fact that this is the bad luck guy, right. and it is uh, it's very inconvenient. Um, for for him to start to have good luck again, or his luck to be normal again, and that that one is an element I thought was kind of fascinating because that it, one it made me ask myself: Is this real? Like the cooler? Is that a real thing? Is this is is it is it like a service animal that people have around? Like Vegas casinos have this thing around? Is it real? Do you know? Right. I don't. I I, I know the concept of a cooler. Usually when I when I've been in Vegas. And you hear someone talk about a cooler, usually it's a, if you're playing blackjack, for example, and uh-huh. the table's running well, all of a sudden they'll switch out. And everyone's having fun, everyone's talking, everyone's laughing. And suddenly they'll switch out dealers. And you get a dealer, usually it's female, I don't know why, um, who is not interested in talking to you, not interested in keeping any of the fun going, just wants mm-hmm. to deal the cards. And invariably, everyone's luck just goes to shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when you go, oh, we got a cooler. On. We got a cooler here at, at, at the table. Time to pack up steaks and go somewhere else. Oh, okay. But usually, I, usually I, I know the phrase being more of employees and not necessarily someone who's hired to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that, that I don't, I haven't seen the movie. So maybe does his personality come off as kind of a downer when he's around other people? Because I think that there's generally like, you know, we talked about, I'm going to bring it back to Evil Knievel. You talked about Evil Knievel not necessarily having bad luck, but he just makes bad decisions. But he seems like a guy that's just so overly confident in himself that it's it would hard to be to feel like you're having a bad time around somebody. So your confidence is up and you're thinking mm-hmm. things. I wonder if like, like I'm trying to think if there's somebody I, that I know that is just such a downer that you're just like, Oh God, if this guy's around, things are just going to go wrong because I just suddenly like just I'm just feeling bummed. I just I, the actual yeah, real life Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer. Yeah. Yeah. That just comes in, just sucks the life out of the room. And like you said, like with this, you know, a new a new car dealer, they come in and suddenly it's no longer boisterous. It's just matter of fact. And you're not having fun. You're just playing cards and you're just like, oh, man, what? Now you start questioning the calls you're going to make and the cards you're going to pull or or request and be like, oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting thing. Uh, I think of um, of uh, athletes and being in a zone state, kind of a Zen kind of place of confidence and um, uh, uh, accomplishment. And if you can get that person out of that place, then you are ultimately impacting their performance and it could be perceived as impacting their luck. So, right. you know, that's, that's an interesting. Uh, all right. That's a good, that's a good segue to, for my second choice then. All right. Cause I'll move it up just to talk about that. But um, uh, Clayton Kershaw, uh, who is a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who has always felt at least for the last, I don't know, seven years, maybe longer 
that he has just suffered the most tremendous amount of bad luck that in all, in all of years for it to go right in 2020, it finally went right. But he has felt like a person who uh, has just had every bad hand dealt to him, um, either by his own actions or by just the luck of the draw. Or it, Basically, he's this guy that's seen as like this, the picture of his, quote, generation who has been like unbelievable during the regular season and then everything falls apart during the postseason he's uh pitching great doing fine and then all of a sudden people are able to hit the ball off him twice as much as as in the regular season and maybe it's a pressure thing but you see these sorts of things that kind of start mounting and like you said it's the lack of confidence goes and then the lack of confidence in the stadium goes. And then all of a sudden this guy is just like, he feels jinxed. He feels like, uh, oh, he's going to do it again. He's going to blow it again. And I have no idea what it feels like to be an athlete of any kind. Certainly kickball, as we've talked about yeah. for 240 episodes. Uh, it's, <laughs> that's not real because at the end of the day, you're paying money to play this thing. And, uh, you know, you're hobbling around the bases because you're an old person at 35. But like, I can't imagine what it's like to be an actual athlete to have to put all of this stuff behind you and actually go do something. But he's always felt snake bit in a certain way. Um, like I said, either by uh, his own overconfidence and being left in too long in the game or being that he's playing a team that's explicitly cheating against him um, or like, I don't know, Richard, do you have any thoughts on, on the Clayton Kershawness of baseball and how he's perceived in like these, these two exact opposite ways of being like, Oh, he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Except, uh, except uh... And to, ha- to have that thing, just that weight dragging you down. And, you know, I am not, a super superstitious person but man there were times when like he'd be winning in a game especially this postseason where i was like i'm not turning on the game that i've only been watching uh like via twitter because of when the game started or Mm -hmm. putting my kid down it's like i can't turn the i don't want to i don't want to jinx it i don't want to jinx it i don't want to bring like my in my internal thoughts of bad luck to this man can't hear me because he's in texas and because i don't know (laughs) i don't know i think this sports are so prevalent to that sort of uh a person's wishing good luck or bad luck or whatever on them no i think that that's another example of is it bad luck or is it bad management you know, his managers tended to put him in these weird situations where he'd start on short rest or, you know, maybe it's obvious that he can only go five innings, but they'd throw him out there for the sixth inning and that would be when he'd get shelled almost every time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's, it, it, it feels like it's a combination of, he, I, I'm with you. Every time that I saw Kershaw pitch in the postseason, there was this element of anytime he gave up one run, it was like, Oh no! Yeah, here we go again. And it's one run—it's crazy. It's one run, and you're just and you, immediately all the fans are just like they're all up in their heads. Yeah, it's just all of a sudden it's it's just panic time, and you have to imagine that he's somewhere in the back of his head is thinking that too. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to put that behind him this year and pitch very well in all of his starts, you know, and it really helped the team win the World Series. That was. Uh, I don't know if I would have the the mental toughness to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, God, yeah. You know what I think it is, too? I think bad luck or the concept of bad luck, it seems to happen from repetition. So far, a lot of our choices, like if something bad happens to you, you can write it off as something bad that's happened to you. But someone that's knocked down by a hurricane multiple times or blown up by a nuclear bomb a couple of times or like, when you're so great that you're in the postseason every year, that you are pitching in playoff game after playoff game, in World Series after World Series, that like, 
I guess the odds are like bad things are going to happen because in baseball, you know, a great hitter hits the ball three out of every 10 times as it is. Right. And like just bad things just happen. And when you're in a position to be great all the time, I don't know. I, I started doing this thing where I'm in my head, I'm started looking at like the postseason records of other comparable players and like their win percentage is like 582. It's like barely above 500, but they're like, no one, no one calls into doubt how great some particular uh, pitchers are, but it's, it's just wild that like the bad luck that surrounded this one particular player, I think it's about like a perception, like, oh, he should be better than that. But it's like, well, yeah, other people hit the ball. Other people score runs or don't score runs. It's not all like on one guy, but yet there it is. Mm. Do you think that's an LA thing? Do you think outside of, uh, were commentators talking about that on, on, uh, is it just an LA thing? Because it seems like if the focus is on this guy, if we need this guy to be our hero and he fails, then we perceive him to have bad luck. But if other people don't invest that much in him and they don't expect that much, yeah, maybe he's not perceived. I'm trying that's... to think of another another repetitious like team like the Buffalo Bills of the '90s or Peyton Manning. Yeah, he win. That was another mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it was tough. I think that when a team is great and they don't achieve greatness, even though they're kind of consistently great, I think people are like, well, "What's what's gone on with them?" But yeah, it seems like there's these people who are are amazing until they're not. And those are the bad luck people. Uh, Good luck can be found by downloading the 13th episode of our podcast. Go back, uh, listen to it. It has the fidelity of a uh, 45 record that was uh, dragged behind a Buick on a gravel road. But go listen to that. And then um, listen to any one of our past episodes that are in... um, 13, so 1326, 39, is that what? Yeah. Yes, very um, good for the math. And you will bring good luck, will, good fortune will come to you. If you do not, bad luck will visit you every day for the rest of your life. Um, our, thir- you- our 13th episode was the Mount Rushmore of and partnerships. Our 26th wow. episode was the Mount Rushmore of shitty candies. Ooh, that's a good one. Wow. Mount, Rush- Mount Rushmore number 39 was non-lego building toys with our good friend scott jones what comes after 39 52 52 52 is mount rushmore tv catchphrases 65 is (laughs) mount rushmore things of things other than people that broke your heart 78 is mount rushmore songs about los angeles oh that one's shitty don't listen to that one yeah Yeah. i'm kidding 91 was uh, Guys in Drag. Ooh. Hot. Anyway, look, that was just through three seasons. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, also, uh, good luck will befall you when you suggest an episode uh, for a future Matt Rushmore podcast. And you can do that by going on to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and joining in the dialogue. We would love to hear what uh, you think we should discuss could be good luck um, Richard I, Jeff sounds like a, a chain letter that's being passed around right now <laughs> yeah at some point when do we have to pay him $550 a man, a man in Duluth Minnesota forgot to forward this and he was hit, hit by a Dodge Caravan um, so we're back and so uh, I, it is Richard with his third choice alright so my third choice is this man in Spain uh, by the name of Costas Mitsotakis. Mm. He was a filmmaker who had moved to this small farming community called uh, Sodeto um, to originally be with his girlfriend. The girlfriend thing didn't work out, but he fell in love with this small town. It's got about 400 people in it, and he decided to stay. Flash forward to 2011. And in Spain, they have a uh, special Christmas lottery called El Gordo, uh, which is the single biggest lottery prize of the year. And they've been doing this since 1812. It's one of the oldest continuous lotteries in the world. And in 2011, the jackpot was $950 million. 
So the residents of the town all kind of jumped in and chipped in like you could chip in by either several tickets or part of a ticket, depending how much money you had. Um, the homeowner, the homemakers association would would come around and, and basically ask how many tickets you wanted. And they got um, everyone in the town bought in. The only person who didn't was Costas, and it's not because he wasn't interested. It was because he lived outside of town in an old barn, and the homemakers association just didn't make it out there. It was too far away. And I think you can tell where the story is going. Uh, they hit. You the got jack- hit by an atomic bomb. No, the barn flooded in Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. Somehow, don't know what? how it affected Spain, but <laughs> very strange thing. No, they win the lottery. Um, it, it's people were winning, either the low end one hundred thirty thousand dollars to the high end several million dollars in this town. The entire town of this poor farming community basically became instantly rich. Wow. Except for poor Costas, who did not get a single penny out of this. And I'm reminded of every time I've ever been asked, hey, do you want to chip in five bucks? We're doing a lottery, doing a lottery pool. You know, it's up to 250 million. And I don't play <laughs> the I don't play the lottery. I understand it's it's a it's a scam, basically. And I'm glad I'm glad that some of the money goes to education, um, but I understand there's you're not getting rich off the lottery and you're just throwing money away. But every time someone comes to me and asks if I want to chip in the five bucks because everyone in the office is getting tickets, yeah, I'll pay five bucks. Sure, fine. And it's for this very reason. I think that's why <laughs> a lot of people do the office lottery ticket thing. They don't want to be one of the saps. On the that's, being talked to, that's being talked about on a shitty podcast. Yes. <laughs> Nobody wants to be talked about on our podcast. And they don't want to be the person who, uh, yeah, they don't want to be the person who suddenly when the infinitesimal chance that this lottery ticket hits, that they're the only ones who are left out and everyone else in the office basically gets to retire. And to his credit, Costas actually um, said he wasn't upset about it wound up making a documentary about the uh, town and the lottery happening. So he was able to get something out of it at least. And generally just seemed very, very much more calm about it than I think I would have been. (laughs) I have embraced the stories that I hear about lottery winners having their lives ruined completely by the sudden influx of, of money. And so I, 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 I have embraced it because I, I, I would be maddened if I think I my favorite my favorite lottery story is like the person that shows up like in a Darth Vader mask because yeah. they don't want their family to know that they've won. What a what a true hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I the other people who I don't know. If if part of me if I if I win the lottery, part of me wants to buy like we're all buying you guys all houses. Part yeah. of me is like you're never gonna see me again. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. one day and getting... you're not recording. We show up, I, I don't show up to recording. It was like, huh, what happened? I was Just about go. to say the same thing. Imagine how great this podcast would sound if I won the lottery and then all of a sudden I was just not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, though, like I think I'm a douche if I have $100. Like if I have $100, like a, for some reason I had to take out some money and I had was going to transfer one account to another and then I have $100. I'm, I totally, my idea of myself is totally different. If I had a hundred million dollars, like, oh my God, I would, I would douche out so extremely. You would, <laughs> but then from what I hear here, all of your family, like everybody's got, uh, everybody's got really stable people in the family or, or extended family. And then everybody's got somebody who's, who's living in a crisis, who's on the edge. And right. those people think that you have their money and they come after you and then you can never talk to your family. So you lose your family and who knows what else you lose. So if you're lucky, you, you hold on to the money, but that's uh that's a doc. It's a doc. Kostas Mitsukakis has a documentary about that. Yeah, he does. And uh, apparently success or, or, or wealth did not change the town. 
he, you know, one of the, basically Misakakis has basically said, it's not so much that these people have taken the money and were extravagant with it. Yeah. It's just that they don't have to worry about not being able to pay back loans or if they're going to make, make a mortgage that month. Yeah. That's so beautiful. It seems like, it seems like it has a happy ending. Yeah. I met, yeah. Uh, Winfield, what's your third? My third choice is the character of the black cat from the Spider-Man comics. Oh, wow. And cool. um, the character, Felicia Hardy, is a um, kind of uh, one uh, villain and antagonist to Spider-Man, but also as Felicia Hardy is like a love interest or was in the uh, early 80s when she was introduced. She was the daughter of... Um, like a famous cat burglar and as one who dresses up in a skin tight black cat suit also became a cat burglar kind of in line with, um, Oh, Catwoman, one yeah. would say, but, um, so when she was first introduced, she kind of had this, this dual role and she kind of continued in this dual role of being like love interest to Peter Parker and, uh, kind of, you know, villain, uh, cat burglar who he had to foil. And, um, initially, she had kind of this uh, created all these situations where it seemed that Spider-Man was getting into trouble and he'd be very unlucky because of um, the things that she'd do. But they were all just like things, they were like traps that she'd set up. Well, as the years went by and she realized that she really couldn't compete with Spider-Man in terms of his powers because he was has the powers of a spider and... Um, you know, can do a bunch of neat things. She um, kind of underwent this procedure to get like kind of become enhanced and um, like a, a villain, like the Scorpion. I probably, I, I can't remember who else. I think it was the Shocker or Rhino, something like that. Um, but she got like these powers where she kind of had these bad luck powers. And she was basically like this human jinx. So, whenever anything that would happen with Spider-Man, it would kind of almost combat his like spider sense where he could sense things were going around where she had just, everything went shitty for Spider-Man when she like encountered her and it kind of started affecting, they were like also dating at the time. So it kind of started affecting and rubbing off on Peter Parker himself where he was just like, God, everything is going awful for me right now. Whenever, and especially whenever you're around. And I just love this idea that someone's, powers are just to be bad luck kind of like this cooler that you talked about with william h macy but just like your power is you're just bad luck and i came to this from the opposite side of things because i've been reading a bunch of like old x-men comics and i just got to this part in like the x-men history where the character of Longshot was introduced and he's like this weird mutant from the mojo verse who's like a really nice guy, but his power is, his mutant power is that he's just incredibly lucky, goes his way. And I love this idea, this concept that your power is like, eh, I'm falling off a building and I'm going to throw a grappling hook and eh, I'm just going to swing off this thing and things are going to land. Oh, I landed in like this truck full of pillows. And, and everyone's <laughs> like, how did that happen? What, what, why, why are we okay right now? I was just like, ah, I guess I'm just lucky. But I love the idea of like your, your, the, the inverse of that, this power of just like things just go wrong. And of course, you know, with the character's name, it invokes the very traditional um, black cat crossing your path. Or, you know, I can't mm -hmm. wait till Spider-Man fights the, you know, the 12 foot ladder. <laughs> <laughs> or like a mirror man or something just like mm -hmm. all these things that are that bad can happen to you but uh, i just love the concept of like this an aura that someone gives out that is a superpower mm -hmm. that really ruins you do you think good bad luck is also is a, a psychological uh, uh fixation on the negative because i, I if you ever see like a toddler kind of walk, you know, go, go home for the holidays and your niece brings, you know, or brings around their, their, their toddler or something like that. You might see that kid thread the needle through 20 different people holding plates. And like, <laughs> I've seen babies do like amazing things that you think, how, how is that kid even doing? I'm sorry, you, you both have children. So you like, 
see kids who are they they have no knowledge that anything bad can befall them so they don't have bad things happen when i was probably like i think when i was like 13 to 17 i was convinced i was cursed i Uh, like i got injured every day like something i'd bang my elbow and get like hurt you know i'd get like a charlie horse or i'd stub my toe or i'd uh walk into walls and then at some point when I was 16 or 17, I realized you're not cursed. You're just a huge klutz. Like you just have bad <laughs> peripheral vision. You're walking into a wall because you're not paying attention and it's not bad luck. You're just an idiot. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I stopped noticing. <laughs> Once I kind of got it out of my head at some point though, it's totally psychological. You're in your head. You're, you're obsessed with these things that are repetitive to you, but it's so very, um, narcissistic to think that like oh the universe is against me yeah yeah that is an interesting aspect of it the fact that you would even deign to think that the the fates would focus on you right <laughs> yeah. I, don't give, I don't give a shit they like, don't give a crap like zeus zeus and the gods on olympus are looking down at you mortal yeah. man and going yeah <laughs> uh richard your final choice you will be cursed yeah you, the tile salesman. Right, my final choice. <laughs> yes. Jeff, my, Michael, when you believe in things you don't understand, you'll suffer. Superstition ain't the way. That's my final choice is the uh, Stevie Wonder song, Superstition. Ah. I'm choosing it for a couple of reasons. One reason is that it's an absolute jam. I mean, this is my top five all-time bangers just it hits hard it hits often it's just a great song and if you guys have never seen this stevie wonder was on sesame street not too long after superstition came out and he played two or three songs and one of them was superstition and it is unbelievable just how hard and heavy this song is and the the kids sesame street kids are literally like basically headbanging to the song and just going wild, losing their shit. It's fantastic. If you, It's on YouTube. Go and check it out if you like this song. Um, but the second reason I chose it is poor, unlucky Jeff Beck, who um, had decided that he wanted to work with Stevie Wonder, and they get, got in touch with each other and thought it was a good idea. And so the idea was Jeff Beck would play play on the album Talking Book and in exchange Stevie Wonder would write a song for him for Jeff Beck's next solo album. So they're in the studio together and Jeff Beck kind of starts just goofing around on the drums and it's Stevie Wonder comes in says keep playing that and sits down at the clavinet and comes up with the riff that becomes the the superstition riff. So that was going to be the song Stevie Wonder was writing for Jeff Beck and he was going to give it to him. Uh, Stevie Wonder recorded his own version of it and thought, well, we'll put this on Talking Book. Talking Book is supposed to come out after Jeff Beck's solo album, so this won't be a problem. Uh, Album is finished. They go to Motown Records, give it to Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy says, Superstition, that's the single. That's the one that we have to lead with. And in the meantime, there have been some delays with the Jeff Beck album, so it came out months after it was supposed to. So long story short is the Stevie Wonder's version of Superstition comes out before Jeff Beck's and becomes this number one hit smash sensation. Uh, And Jeff Beck, several months later, comes out with his version that winds up being like this kind of minor single. And yeah, that was was basically the uh, story of how Jeff Beck lost out on on being the first person to, to debut the song Superstition. And who knows if his version's the first version, maybe that's the one that's the massive hit. Mm. You know, I don't know. But poor Jeff Beck. A whole a whole lifetime of being kind of just an also, you know, the most famous also ran in music yeah. history. Yeah. Maybe I don't know how, how else to explain it. How, but. how are you the third best guitarist in the Yardbirds? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're Jeff Beck. <laughs> Basically, basically well known for looking quite a bit like uh, Nigel Tufnell. Yeah, <laughs> the kind of soccer haircut. Um, the 
that it's funny too because that song superstition i always think of um you know, if you are a visually impaired person, you might bump into a lot of things. <laughs> you might have a lot of bad things. Before. Might break, you might break mirrors or walk <laughs> yeah. under ladders. Or... Yeah. Oh, man. What bad luck I had today. No, you need a cane and a dog. You Quit need trying to help. drive the car, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, holy, holy smokes. That's uh, also like not that. I don't know. Yeah, it, it might sound. Yeah, you don't want to come out with that song after Stevie Wonder. That's that's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, you're gonna lo- you're gonna lose that battle every time. Yeah, is it drum? I thought Stevie. So Stevie did Stevie record his own drums? Because I thought that's him on his drums. That is him on his drums eventually, yeah. but the whole concept came from Jeff Beck just goofing around on a drum yeah. kit in the yeah. studio. Wow. Okay, Winfield, your final choice. Uh, my final choice is the horrible day that um, Mr. Ed Rooney um, goes through in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh-huh. and um, where Ferris Bueller himself is the luckiest guy in the world, where nothing can go wrong, where uh, he is just blessed with just um, sunshine and happiness and a beautiful girlfriend and this perfect day and uh, he's the one that steals the car and he is the one that doesn't get in trouble for it. And he is the, you know, singing it in a parade and just enjoying the, the best day of his life. Uh, he is counteracted by um, principal Ed Rooney, who is just uh, misfortune after misfortune Rooney. falls upon him. <laughs> Where this guy, the, the, I think the best thing about Ed Rooney is that he constantly thinks that he is getting the upper hand on Ferris. <laughs> throughout the entire day of like being um uh talked down to uh by cameron of thinking he caught him on the computer of um kind of breaking into ferris's house and getting attacked by a dog and losing his uh shoe in the mud then kick- getting his face kicked in by ferris's sister then uh having his car towed and uh then he, every time though every the entire movie is like he he's on the, on the edge of catching ferris and like having the most uh most incredible day because all he wants is this white whale that's ferris bueller being caught out of school and like every time he's just kicked in the balls again <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so great and like I, you know, you almost feel bad for him, but he's so just so disgusting and gross. And I can't imagine like having that feeling of this, like the up and down of like I, he's just on the edge like a villain. I've almost uh-huh. got you, and then, <laughs> and then you know he's, uh, he's uh, triumphed over again yeah. and again. And I just lo- I love the contrast of those two days. I love the contrast of Ferris's always lucky, always charming, charismatic, optimistic. And this guy is just so vile and gross and um, having the worst possible day. And they're having this, they're having a day. They're both having the same day, but they're so just in contrast to each other. And uh, it's just great. That's a fascinating thing. I never thought about this flip side of the coin. It almost feels like there's um, the, uh, the cosmic balance there, like for somebody to have the good luck, <laughs> right. there's somebody has to be that other. And that the fact that there's a thread that is uh, connecting these two people as their fates inter- intertwine. But and then, there's, kind of... and then there's Cameron in the middle who kind of is like living on both sides of it at yeah. the same time. He's having his, yeah. this most incredible day, but it's just so wrapped up in being <laughs> miserable all the time. He can't help but it. I love that that guy who who you you know his name and we mentioned it on our podcast. He was he was on the bus in speed. I forget what you said his name was. Um, uh, he's now. Yeah, I got to think about it for a second. He's now in some commercials about the car or something like that. I don't know. He he's kind of sitting there living living a lucky life now and as reprising that character. But uh, that is hilarious. And that that sir will be the first choice for going on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, Ed Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, reinforcing the idea that we're introducing that um, there is there is just luck and it travels from one person to another. <laughs> and it may for one to have the good stuff, the other guy's going to have the bad stuff. Uh, so that's very fascinating to me. And then poor Melanie Martinez, um, 
my heart goes out to you, doll. Um, and that was a fun story with, uh, and that's not uh, not fun, but that was an interesting story. I did not know about Sutomo Yaga Yamaguchi, Sutomo Yamaguchi, who witnessed both of the bombs that uh, were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And let's go with. Um, Let's also go with, I want to go with uh, Clayton Kershaw because, you know what, Doyers. 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 Right, yeah. All right, guys. This Good luck tomorrow, both of you. May good luck be with you tomorrow. Do you guys believe well, in it? Do you kind of, do we, did we determine? No. no. Okay. No, I don't do anything. I don't, I don't, um. Other, other than like <laughs> watching baseball games through my fingers through Twitter, I don't, I don't have yeah. any other, I don't, I don't think I'm imparting myself on the cosmos, the psychic yeah. cosmos in any way. Yeah, and I think it, it doesn't care about me. I will say I cannot throw anything in a wastebasket. Um, like my, I could crumple up even a, even if you shout Kobe, even if I shout Kobe or Jordan in the past, I cannot. <laughs> If I were to t- have a piece of tissue or paper or like a, the roll of a toilet paper tube or something, if I, if I am holding it one foot above a wastebasket and I release it, a sharp wind will come through the bathroom <laughs> and knock it five feet away from its intended target. So that is, if that's my bad luck, then I'm a lucky, I'm a lucky SOB. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, dudes uh, uh, and listeners, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Bad Luck. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. Michael. Yay.